Welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host, sports director of SportstalkFlorida.com. Joining me as always are the Sunshine Boys themselves, Joe Henderson and Ira Kaufman. We also have a very special guest today, someone I've known for a number of years, first when he was at CBS and now, as I believe, Mike, you're getting into your fourth year as the uh, commissioner of the American Athletic Conference? Uh, and it has been four years. Uh, actually, it was a, a year with what was then the Big East, and then uh, right. three years now with the uh, the reconstituted American Athletic Conference. Well, Mike, I know one thing. There's one thing about you I, I constantly know, and that is you are someone who's a very innovative thinker, and you're not someone that just sits back and waits for things to happen. So I'm thinking that uh, you've got some interesting uh, concepts and marketing ideas and all kinds of wonderful things that you're going to now unleash now that we now that we have some stability uh, of no possible you know defections i think now you can really sit down with the, with all of your people and say okay let's uh, let's go with it so what's going on in uh, providence well jim first of all um obviously we've come through a tough period uh mm-hmm. But it had a silver lining, and that is the enormous amount of publicity our conference has generated by virtue of being, uh, for the most part, the the prime target for uh, P5 expansion. Uh, When you have literally 10 of our schools in the mix and and probably a half dozen who were clearly seriously, probably a little more seriously in the mix, uh, you know that uh, we are the conference next to the P5. And it also, you know, it, it, it shined a light on the achievements of our schools, the competitiveness of the schools. Uh, it it uh, shined a light on their markets, on their fan bases. Uh, it showed that this conference has really emerged and that the schools in the conference are, are really, you know, making some noise. Now, again, that's the silver lining. Uh, we have to take advantage of the fact that we probably couldn't have paid for this amount of publicity in a million years. You know, it's a six-month process. It really goes back well before July because you, you may recall they were talking about this in May yeah. and prior to that. And to be honest, it's been almost a two-year on and off thing. So it's, it's you know, it's created a lot of tension, of course, and a lot of pressure, but it has been a long process. But the last six months have been so intense that I think the country has a pretty good idea of what, excuse me, what the AAC is, the American is, and when you rebrand, as we had to do from the old Big East, mm-hmm. it's not easy. You know, you're, you're essentially selling a new product, and, and any time you have a product launch and you sell a new product, it's not easy. You know, it, uh, the country has to get used to you. They have, they have to know who you are. We spend a lot of time trying to identify, you know, make sure people can identify our teams, understand what our conference is. Uh, and this, I think, uh, aided that process, ironically, because it wasn't always good, as you know. Uh, and it's been very tough and difficult for everyone, but you have to seize the positives and see what you can do with them. And I think now you asked about some of the things we're thinking about. Our vision's always been to get back to being essentially a P6, and, and, and this whole power thing, I don't use, notice I say P more than I do power. This thing was, uh, you know, an unofficial designation. I don't know whether it was invented by the media uh, or whether it was something that the P5 itself uh, attached uh, you know, to themselves. I don't know. But regardless, it clearly reflected what you know, the public, what 
fans, what the media thought were the five strongest conferences, the ones that had the most money, the ones that had the most clout. And I fully understand that. But again, we were once part of the BCS, which included six conferences. And we've got six schools in this group of 12 that were once either in the, the old Big East, that were in the old Southwest Conference, that were you know, part of, of that you know, uh, constellation. And so we want to get back. And it's not easy. And I understand all the hurdles and the obstacles. And I think people a few years ago probably felt that, well, this is a pipe dream. They have no chance to even be in the conversation. Well, that's not true. We're obviously in the conversation now. The question is, how do we, you know, how do we cement and, and enhance our position? So that's been the vision. What we're going to do, of course, is uh, promote the conference as as a P6. You know, that was that promotion we had planned this past summer, um, doing promos and doing other kinds of things, especially if we continue to achieve at the level we've achieved. And of course, Houston beating Oklahoma the way they did, and the conference doing well, winning a, a bunch of P P5 games again. You know, that that's helped. But we had to put, you know, the whole project in in, in uh, limbo, in abeyance, uh, because we didn't know what was going to happen with, with realignment. We didn't know what the composition of the conference would be. We had to be careful. And I said at the meetings in the summer, our media day, that if we lost teams, perceptions of our conference might change. I mean, you had to be realistic. You couldn't tell people that it would it would be the same if we lost some of our better teams. But we also said we would reconstitute quickly and we would work hard and we would fight hard and we would get back to where we were because we had a good, more than just a core group of schools, a whole bunch of good schools who would still be around. Well, now that we're intact, I think we have even a better opportunity to do that. And I think the uh, you'll see some really good, interesting promos that reflect what we've done. You know, I, I really do think that this conference has uh, has had some remarkable achievements all across the board. And if you look at, you know, the three years in football, which, of course, is the most important sport when it comes to realignment and TV deals and money and all of that, we've had two top ten teams in three years. We won two huge bowl games, including being the Big 12 champion soundly three years ago, the Florida State win last year, Houston's emergence, other teams' emergence. Uh, we've had four top 25 teams at various times last year. We had two this year, two on the cusp. We had two national uh, national championship in men's basketball, three in women's basketball. Uh, we had a golf uh, individual champion. We almost had a team in the uh, College World Series this year, uh, you know, 90 feet away. Uh, we've done a lot of remarkable things. We've had all sorts of individual award winners. We've had people like Tyler Matikavich and Justin Hardy set all-time NCAA records. Uh, I don't think, to be honest, that we've probably gotten enough publicity for the achievements that this group has, has had, and that's in part because the P5 gets a lion's share of attention. You know, we understand that. But we play at a really high level. Uh, we schedule those teams. We play those teams, uh, and and we're, we're going to you know fight to, to to increase you know that perception. Now, what's that mean? Legislatively, we don't necessarily have a clear path into any kind you know into that autonomy group. But the autonomy group, your listeners, um, you know, and, and fans, uh, are not too concerned with the autonomy thing because it's esoteric for them. It's important to us in terms of NCA legislation and the ability for that group to, to sponsor legislation. Uh, but we can ad adopt that legislation if they sponsor it. We can opt in or opt out. So it's not a problem for us. It just means that we're not in the room and we'd like to be in the room. The real issue, of course, is the perception of whether you're a power six or you know whether you belong with that power five group. And, and as I said, that was a uh, you know a, a concept that, that arose based on perceptions, and perceptions can change. 
and what we've got to do, the first step I've always said is to make sure that you, the media, and and the public uh, feels that we are in that conversation and that we belong in in the P6. Uh, and if if in fact that perception takes hold, and I think it's beginning to, then I think it creates essentially a, a critical mass. Uh, it has influence, and then and then I think there's a fait accompli that you can you, you can point to and say, well, look, we belong. It's clear, and and the powers that be clearly don't want to let us in now. But down the road, uh, you know, that could change because pressure will be brought to bear if we're successful. Uh, that's really, you know, what's what's involved here. You know, you look at the G7. It became the G8 because one of the countries economically became more more powerful and became. Uh, a country that you couldn't leave out, and they, therefore they had a seat at the table. I have no illusions, and I'm not naive. I know this is a tough struggle, but if you're us, what else do you do? Why wouldn't you want to achieve that that level of uh, of uh, attention and uh, that level of, of prestige? Of course you would, and I and I think these schools have proven, even with limited resources, that they can do it. And the final thing I'll mention at this point is that the TV deal for us will be extremely important. And I understand that. Uh, we probably, uh, you know, I think we've got an excellent chance to generate a lot more revenue. I don't, I don't want to make any predictions, and I don't, you know, it's a tough marketplace. But if you have good product, I always uh, adhere to the uh, the old saying, "Content is king." If you have good product, good live sports product, people will want, it, and there'll be competition for your rights. We have a great partnership with ESPN. We're hoping that uh, you know, before the contract expires, and it doesn't. And go that much longer, you know. 19 is our last football season. We're almost through. We're almost through 16. We hope that ESPN will step up, recognize what we've done, and uh, ultimately, essentially, make an investment in the league that will pay enormous dividends. It's very clear that when we have the ability to compete, we do it. So, uh, you know, if you have a little more money, it certainly helps keep you, uh, you know, competitive. Uh, all sorts of things dictate, you know, the ability now to compete. Uh, scholarship limits, the fact that we've got great young coaches, we have uh, able administrators who hire outstanding young coaches, and, and you can see it all up and down in football. In basketball, we have uh, a more veteran group of coaches, but it, it's an outstanding group. I mean, it's as good as any in the country. So uh, the pieces are in place. We've got a lot of work to do. I fully appreciate that. And the pressure's on us not only to continue to perform, because we're judged more by how we do on the field and court than other conferences, but also, obviously, the, the the next TV deal is going to be very, very critical to our future. Mike Oresco um, of the the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, the AAC, joining us on the Sunshine Boys podcast. And the person I just upcut is Joe <laughs> Henderson, who has a question for Mike. Uh, thanks, uh, Jim. Mike, uh, you you referenced money, and obviously that is the separator between the the so-called P5 conferences and and everybody else. And we focus so much on TV rights deals, but as the TV, as we all know, uh, marketplace is evolving now and not necessarily, uh, you know, more money there, not the kind of money that used to be there. But can can your conference, are you exploring ways, I assume you are, to um, generate revenue streams from the new sources like Google and Twitter and and some of those streaming services and things like that, because that's kind of an untapped source at this point. Joe, that's, um, that's a great question. It's right on point. Yes, we will explore that very seriously, and we have been exploring it. In fact, we've been working with one of the big online companies to put uh, a lot of our Olympic sports on their, their video service, and we're very close to announcing a deal there. 
uh, and that's the first step. The question in terms of the big online companies, whether it's Google, whether it's Yahoo, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, um, you know, and I probably uh, omitted a few, is whether this can be monetized, you know, in the short term, whether there there's enough to uh, whether somebody ultimately wants to to make a splash with with really good collegiate product, live product, and is willing to pay significant amounts, you know, to do that. Um, I don't know if that's there yet. It probably will be down the road. I think TV is still the key. I think TV still has obviously the lion's share of viewership. I think TV still generates in terms of uh, ad sales far more. I think, uh, but there's you know the online uh, world is very very important to us, and I'm hoping that it provides the kind of competition that that we need in the marketplace because again TV networks it's a very very tricky situation because. Uh, you know, TV networks uh, have, have invested heavily you know, in, in the uh, in the P5, but I think there's room for a P6, just as Mike Slive said. You know, there are a lot of uh, there's some conference networks out there, but there's room for one more. It turned out there was room for two more, you know, the ACC and the SEC. So no, that that's an increasingly important part of the whole puzzle. Uh, it's not just money though that has separated the five from us. You, you have to remember. That's what I think is remarkable about what we've done. The five conferences uh, have the money because they have, you know, most of the flagship state universities, but they also have those one or two or three anchor teams that really account for everything. Uh, you know, if you look at the Big 12, where would they be without Texas and Oklahoma? And I know you've heard some recent comments about that. Uh, where would uh, the Pac-12 have been without USC? Where would the Big Ten be without Ohio State and Michigan. Where would uh, the the SEC's got more of them with Alabama and Georgia and Florida and Tennessee and, and LSU, which emerged over the last decade. Auburn, they have more of them. But where would where would these conferences be? Uh, ACC, where would it be in football without Clemson and uh, uh, you know and uh, excuse me, a Florida State, of course. And so you know that's. We haven't had, you know, those kinds of, of schools, but we're developing them. And one of the things I, I think, I think the two Florida schools are potential juggernauts. I've said it before. Uh, I think they're they're destined to be tremendous programs, uh, football, and I think they'll really improve in basketball as well. You can see the potential they have. Now, they've got to realize it. Uh, UCF had done remarkable things, and then had the, had the uh, unfortunate year when all all the you know tough things came together. You know whether it was you know Georgia's situation, whether it was injuries, whether it was you know a graduation to the NFL, a lot of great players on that Fiesta Bowl team. Uh, you know it just it, but but they're right back with Scott Frost, and uh, I think that's one of the things about our conference. If we lose a coach. We'll hire a terrific coach to replace uh, him. And look what we've done at uh, at Houston, and look what we've done at SMU. Even though they haven't shown it in the record, that team is much much improved, and uh, and and they're only going to get better because, um, you know, again, uh, Chad Morris knows how to recruit Texas. You know, Philip Montgomery, Bob Diaco from Notre Dame. We've hired the best of the best, but the best coordinators. That's what you have to do. We can't pay our our fellows, you know, six million a year or seven million, but we can we can pay them reasonably well, <clears throat> far better than anybody else in, in, in the group. Unfortunately, that we're, uh, you know, we're uh, we're in, uh, and and that'll be a, a factor down the road. I don't think there's any question about it, and that'll 
that'll help. You know, we, we need to generate more prestige for our schools. We need to generate more attendance. Uh, these are schools that traditionally have had some success, sporadic success. I think they're now together in a league where they can have regular success, consecutive years when they're successful. That's really the critical part. This is not your grandfather's Memphis. It's not your grandfather's Temple. The two Florida schools have all the potential in the world. Now, USF had had a head start because they had some success in the old Big East. Um, US, UCF had not had the exposure. But you look at, uh, you know, an SMU, and they're much more serious about their football than they were. You look at a Houston and the aggressiveness there. Uh, you look at uh, other, other programs. And then you add a great national program like Navy, which has been nothing but uh, great for the conference and obviously the the kids there are wonderful, the best of the best. Uh, they have a tremendous national brand, and they play really, really good football. This is not the Navy of 15 or 20 years ago. This, the, their athleticism is far better. Their recruiting is different. Everything about them uh, is different. And then, you know, you look at schools historically that have played good football, like East Carolina and, uh, and Cincinnati, and, and while they're, they're a bit down right now, uh, there's all the potential in the world. The one thing that the TV's done for us, I mean, we have a great TV deal in terms of exposure with ESPN. We have, you know, we had five ABC national games last year. We're on track to have more this year. We've had, you know, great uh, Thursday and Friday games on ESPN. We're willing to do that. I've said often that uh, I look at us as more JetBlue and Southwest Airlines. You know, we, we can't be quite like, you know, those other major carriers, you know, Delta, American, because Again, we don't have flagship state institutions, and we don't have some of those teams that have been around for 100 years and have all that incredible tradition. Uh, we sometimes say, here, forget tradition. Let's talk about the future. Let's talk about the changing landscape of college sports, especially college football, which allows you to in a way that maybe you couldn't compete 30 years ago and you didn't have scholarship limits and everybody had, had stockpiled 200 players. Now you can compete, and if you get the right coach, it doesn't matter whether you don't have as much money as the next guy. Uh, I've said it many times. You don't need a waterfall in your locker room. You don't need the Taj Mahal Stadium. You need good facilities. You need solid facilities, but you need great coaches, and you need to be able to recruit intelligently. The one thing I'm really pleased about, if you have good administrators who are committed, uh, then you, you'll, you'll make it. If you don't have that, you're not going to make it. It doesn't matter what what you have otherwise, and, and that's what we do have. They've been able to find not only the good coaches, but they've been able to recruit. We're not going to get the four- and five-star recruits for the most part. We know that. But you can get two-star recruits, three-star recruits, and occasional four. Obviously, Houston was able to get one five. Um, but you can coach those kids up. They develop. If you have a good eye for talent, and our teams have, have done that, and if you're in talent-rich areas, our two Florida schools, a school in Ohio, schools in Texas, you know, schools uh, near Memphis near rich recruiting areas, uh, you can get it done. And there's no question that uh, we've got all the potential in the world. Uh, you just have to keep we're, we're, you know, the pressures on us to continue to perform and then ultimately try to translate that into a better deal. I've got a question, Jim, for our guest. Okay, Ira Kaufman for... Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the AAC. Go ahead, Ira. Mike, talk a little bit about, uh, for your particular conference, Mike, uh, how, much, how much does football drive the train? And uh, is that frustrating at all uh, to some of your other coaches in other sports? Or is there an understanding, Mike, that uh, football is the one that generates the revenues that uh, maybe uh, allows these other sports to flourish at the schools? 
great question, Ira. Uh, football does drive it. it. It drives it almost exclusively in many ways. You can see that. Otherwise, um, there would have been more interest in, in schools like uh, Kansas or UConn in realignment uh, that have great basketball traditions. Uh, what, what you have is football generating the revenue for at the conference level, and that's why people scramble during the realignment process to find programs with really great football. Uh, basketball is enormously popular, and basketball generates a, a lot of revenue, but at the uh, NCAA level, and that's shared with, with all the schools that compete in the tournament. Uh, so technically, you know, 320 or so schools would be eligible for uh, some of that revenue. Uh, regular season basketball just does not account for much of the revenue that uh, go that, that is accounted for in TV deals. It's just that simple. Uh, and, and it's been unfortunate in a way. You know, I remember talking to Tom Izzo. Uh, Tom's an old friend and a very good friend. And we did a lot of great games together when I was at CBS. He was just wonderful in terms of scheduling. And, you know, he, you know the basketball coaches are, are not happy with, you know, uh, some of the emphasis on football because it's created some realignment. It isn't really very edifying. You know, you have, you've lost a lot of great rivalries. You've lost some things. It, the conferences are not as regionally based as they once were, uh, and I think there was a real charm to that, and I hope that we, you know, we, we return to some of that. I think that, uh, you know, it, 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 it made college sports, uh, you know, special. I think college sports are still special, but, you know, you don't want to become like the NFL. But okay, so that that clearly football is driving it. Now, do they do, do people on the campuses understand that? Yes, they do. They absolutely do. They may not necessarily like it all the time, but they understand it. In fact, Gino Oriema at one point said um, to our group that that what Bob Diaco is doing at UConn might be the most important thing that's been done there in athletics in in, in a long, long time, uh, because. UConn, if they get better in football, will enhance their brand and, and will make the American Athletic Conference a more uh, attractive conference for TV. And, and obviously, uh, you know, it, it, in this whole P5 thing, you know, the schools with good football programs become uh, more valuable. It's just that simple. The money in football is far greater. Uh, the ad sales uh, are far greater. Uh, the money, again, in basketball is tied up in tournament and regular season, unfortunately, um, it, it over regular season in basketball is a tough a tough sell. I did it for many years, programmed it for many years at ESPN and CBS, and the problem is it overlaps with college football and the NFL, and it only gets a chance to breathe in February and March, and, and not even so much in February anymore because you know you have the Super Bowl uh, going right into into February. So uh, you know the, the tournament uh, obviously sucks a lot of energy out of regular season. Uh, and I like basketball regular season. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of great games on. But unless unless you're the ACC, which has a unique uh, basketball brand, and a Duke Carolina can be sold probably like a football game. You know, it's it's one of the unique uh, events that that probably can generate sales akin to a really big football game. Uh, you just don't have the regular season uh, revenue that you want. It doesn't mean that it's not important. That it's not. It doesn't contribute to a TV deal. It does. There is a bottom line aspect there. Uh, our basketball tournament is very successful, and I think uh, you know ESPN really appreciates it. We do great ratings on that, uh, you know, that final Sunday. But it's football that that drives it, and of course, football, uh, as you know, because of the, uh, you know, the the overlap, the fact that it, uh, 
know, covers a good good part of the calendar just becomes very, very important. To Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. Mike, I know you got to go. I appreciate uh, the fact that you've taken time with us to join us here on the Sunshine Boys podcast. And trust me, we are big fans of you and of uh, of the AC and uh, with USF and UCF here and on the I-4 quarter. We will have you back as a guest whenever you get some time. But thanks so much for joining us this morning. And uh, and we wish you all the best. And we'll, we'll see you down the line, not too long, hopefully uh, at either a USF game or a UCF game. Well, Jim, thank you. Uh, I'll be at the, actually I'll be at the USF Temple game this week. Uh, I was at the uh, Florida State USF game. Uh, I'm not sure when I'll get to UCF, uh, but thanks again for having me, and thanks very much for the kind words and, and the kind words about the conference. Uh, again, those two schools are really an important part of what we're trying to accomplish. And I, and I believe me, don't worry about you know I, I carved out some time, and uh, if you, if we do it again and then you need more time, you just let me know. I uh, really enjoyed talking to to all of you, Jim, Joe, and Ira. Thank you, and uh, again, have a great week. You too, Mike. Thanks a lot for joining. Thank Mike. you, Mike. Thanks as always to Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. After this break, we will have an opportunity to talk college football and pro football. And joining us for that discussion will be our FSU insider and also ACC. Allison Posey, sports director of ABC 27 in Tallahassee. So stay with us. We shall return right after these words. Welcome back to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host from SportsTalkFlorida.com. Joining me, of course, my colleagues, Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. We also welcome a semi-regular to the group, and that, of course, is Allison Posey the fine sports director of ABC 27. Allison, always a pleasure to have you as part of the gang. And I know it's a very interesting week headed into the bye week there in Tallahassee. Couldn't have come in a more perfect time. <laughs> well, there you go. It's nothing like scheduling a good old-fashioned bye week. That's a tough team oh, yeah. to handicap, Allison. They're a tough <laughs> team to handicap from week to week. Yeah, you know, they, they've had a rough stretch here as a late, you know, the, you know, lost Louisville last month and uh, lost to UNC, the heartbreaking loss to UNC, and then they dealt Miami a heartbreaking loss, and, uh, I, you know, the play against Wake didn't look that impressive, but they scrapped it out, got a win, and now we're here. Uh, we're in the bye week, of course, next week, uh, the big dog comes to town in Clemson, and uh, that's that's going to be a big test for Florida State. But, you know, like I said, the bye week couldn't have come at a better time. I mean, I think everyone's a little banged up, bruised. They've got some, some kinks to work out. Um, and, you know, they they were very, very appreciative of, of this bye week after we talked to them on, on Saturday after that game against Wake Forest. Allison, uh, i got a question about the Seminoles for you. Um mm-hmm. We all, you know, the the pundits uh, looked at FSU at the start of the year and immediately said, this is a team that can and should be in the playoffs. Um, they looked at Dalvin Cook. They looked at, you know, numerous things about that program. Uh, where did where did everybody go wrong uh, on FSU, in your opinion? 
You know, I think that's a question that a lot of people are still trying to figure out. Um, at the end of the day, you have to remember DeAndre Francois. No one expected DeAndre Francois to be to be starting and give it to him. He's done a tremendous job. Um, he's not receiving the protection he deserves. He's been sacked 21 times this year. Um, the offensive line is kind of a shock to this team. Um, everyone kind of thought that that was going to be the position group we weren't going to have to worry about. They returned everybody from last year, a lot of experience, um, and they've struggled. You know, Alec Everly, we talked to him on Tuesday night, and he said that they've kind of had a come-to-Jesus meeting because their quarterback can't can't be on the ground as much as he is. And DeAndre has taken an absolute beating. And if he can finish out the year somewhat healthy, I will be shocked. Um, like I said, he's been sacked 21 times, and that's just absurd. But, well, yeah. Uh, defense, and... mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say he's been sacked that many times, and look who's still left on the schedule. Oh, I know. It's not going to get any easier for him. So he might need to be in traction before this season is over at the rate it's going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's not uh, – and they and they know it. And Alec, um, to, to be perfectly honest, he seemed really upset about it. Um, you know, they, they know that that's their job is to, to protect the quarterback and make sure he's okay, and they're not they're not doing a good job of it. Um, you know, the, the defense, I don't think that – you know, defense is always strong at Florida State. That's what FSU's known for. Um, did they expect Derwin James to go out? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, they were going to have to replace Jalen Ramsey. We knew that. Um, I think the, the secondary has kind of been a, a little bit of a lit down, especially losing Derwin. You know, when Nate Andrews went out, and that's another – big senior, uh, experienced guy who who went out, and that hurt them. So I think there's been a lot of things that have happened, things that they, they can't control that, that have hurt them. And, um, you know, here we are. <laughs> there you go. Well, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, Mike had said before he left that uh, this is a big Friday night matchup between uh, – South Florida and Temple, uh, big game for uh, for South Florida if they want to continue. Because if things work out well, Allison, all we need you to do is have you know FSU beat Clemson. That will make the USF <laughs> loss to FSU look a heck of a lot better. So you know, not that I, not that I want to put any pressure on you for next week, but you know, if you just go to Jimbo and say, "Look, Jimbo, I realize that uh, you know, I'm asking a little bit, but uh, if you could just take out Clemson, not for us, but for South Florida, that would really be helpful." I, I'm sure he'll uh, he'll agree to do that. Oh, he's a good man. I mean, you know. uh, well, but Jim, you're you're absolutely right. Um, this uh, is. This- arguably the biggest game of the season for South Florida to this point. And we all talked about Florida state because of their reputation. Um, But in terms of where USF really wants to be, um, they are, uh, the bulls are three and O in their division in conference temple is two and one and right behind them. Uh, UCF is sitting back at one and one. Everybody else has, uh, has already lost to USF. So, if the Bulls can win this one, um, they will have a leg up on virtually everybody in the division. Uh, Temple will be uh, two full games back, uh, in essence three, so that'll eliminate Temple. Um, 
UCF would be the last big obstacle at that point for the Bulls. Uh, what they have to do, because they will be, they are solidly favored to beat Temple, and it is a Friday night ESPN game. It's on a seven o'clock game, national TV, on the mothership. So um, should be should get a decent audience for that. What the Bulls have to do is just focus on the task at hand and uh, not. Uh, maybe sneak a peek ahead a week from now to the Navy game uh, at Raymond James Stadium um, on also on a Friday night, uh, which which should be another uh, terrific game. I think the Bulls will take care of business this week, and then we'll talk about Navy next week. Well, you know, what I, Jim, what I like, what I what I like most of, about USF um, is their consistency uh, on the attack. Um, and, and and Joe's been talking about this all season, and, and they haven't uh, they haven't let Henderson down. Uh, he was ahead of the curve on this. Uh, Joe, I believe it's 11 straight games with, with, with 35 points or more, 440 yards or more. Um, I don't care who you're playing, Joe. That's impressive, um, and it's impressive because of uh, the consistency of it. It's not a one week fluke. Uh, Heck, they even moved the ball well against uh, Florida State, uh, albeit this is not one of the Knowles' great uh, defensive squads, but it's still uh, an elite team. Uh, so I think going into any game, uh, any school better have their defense ready because, you know, as Joe said, they're, they're a quick strike, a deep-throwing team. Their quarterback is dangerous, uh, both throwing and running. And um, every defense they play, uh, is going to have its hands full. USF's lowest point total in a game this year was against East Carolina, and that was 38 points. Um, they have been above 50 uh, twice, or uh, once, excuse me. They have um, been in the 40s consistently. They, uh, as, as Ivor said, this is a quick strike team that, can beat you in multiple ways. Uh, Quentin Flowers can beat you with his arm or his legs. They can beat you uh, on the ground with Marlon Mack. They've got a great core of receivers led by Rodney Adams. So uh, pick your poison. And uh, Willie Taggart, uh, you got to love the way he runs that Gulf Coast offense because it is attack, attack, attack. And they'll be going along kind of, you know, maybe sputtering a little bit here or there. And all of a sudden you look up and, you know, they've got 35 points. So, you know, it's uh, back-to-back 300-yard rushing games. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Uh, 12 straight games of at least 200 yards rushing. I mean, uh, fun team to watch, fun team to watch. And that brings up the point of why aren't more people out there watching them? Because <laughs> attendance, attendance is uh, – not good. Anemic. And anemic is a good word. Um, the uh, you know you've got a Friday night game this week. Uh, that's not a traditional college football day, but USF uh, has drawn well on Fridays. Uh, a big a big game, but um, it shouldn't for USF. It shouldn't be about the opponent that they're playing. Right. Like next week, right. I would assume they'll get a, a good crowd for Navy, um, but it should be about the bulls and 
because if you're a USF graduate or, you know, fan or just grew up and, and like football, this is a, get on board folks. This is a good team. And, uh, they're going to, they're probably in all likelihood going to be playing for the conference championship against Houston uh, later on this season. What's not to like? This is, this is what you wanted when you started football there, and now you got it. You know, one of the things we have to look out for, though, guys, is Temple. Temple was down 25-7 to in the first quarter of last uh, week's game over at UCF. And the defense in the second half just shut down. And Philip Walker, who is the Temple quarterback, drove the Temple Owls on a 70-yard scoring play in less than a minute. And with a second left on the clock, he hits Keith Kirkwood to you know, pull the game-winning touchdown, and bingo, all of a sudden, the UCF fans who thought they had won the game were sitting there going, oops, we're not here anymore. Um, so this Temple team is not a bad team. They're just getting used to uh, what's going on. So we gotta got to keep a lookout for Temple. Well, Temple, remember, a year ago was ranked yeah. uh, and, and uh, until USF uh, took them apart. Uh, in, in a game at Temple. So, um, you know, that was one of USF's signature wins of last season and kind of set the stage for what they're doing this year. And, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you can't sleep on Temple if you're USF. And uh, the point spread is not that great. The Bulls, I think, are about a six or seven point favorite. So they're going to, they're going to have their hands full um, uh, with a, with a Temple team that is just kind of getting better and better as they go along. What about um, from Allison? From your standpoint, I mean, mm-hmm. the it looks like you know Florida's going to take this week off so that they can get ready for Georgia. Yeah. And um, and you guys are getting ready for Clemson. This is uh, one of those weeks when um, and USF plays a Friday night game. So who are we going to watch this weekend? <laughs> I I'm gonna be busy with a homecoming festivities at Florida A and M, but I well know, then we'll so, all come to we'll all come to Tallahassee and go to FAMU. That's good enough for you me. Got, you got to watch the Marching One Hundred. You know it's it's, Always uh, enjoy it's a party that. here yeah. all week. Yeah. <laughs> Who been, FAMU's been fun. <laughs> Allison, Allison, how much did the how much did the win at Miami restore uh, a little faith, a little confidence, a little swagger? Maybe uh, back in Tallahassee uh, after people were uh, were flipping out uh, about the Knolls. You know, I, I think any time you can get a win, and Jimbo will tell you this, it 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 instills confidence. Um, you know, same with Travis Rudolph going off the other day against Wake Forest. He had 13 catches for almost 240 yards. Any time you can do that. People can tell you you're good, but until you get a big win or you have a big day or you get a big touchdown. You don't really think you can do it. And um, I think that the Miami win, especially with the way that they won with DeMarcus Walker uh, blocking that extra point, um, it definitely put a little bit of swag back in them. But like I was saying earlier, they still really have a lot of work to do because their win over Wake Forest was, you know, it was vanilla. They, they won, but right. 
they, they still have so much to work on. Well, now, uh, well, Jim, uh, I'll tell you who, who's what uh, a good game to watch this weekend. Doesn't have anything to do with Florida, but uh, Alabama and Texas A&M. Hello, three mm-hmm. thirty Saturday afternoon. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a big deal in the West. That's that's kind of that's kind of a big one. one. Yeah. And uh, you know, and and you know, we talk about the uh, the AAC. Here's a real under the radar game. Uh, if, if people want to pay attention to uh, to the conference there, Saturday afternoon, Memphis at Navy. Memphis is a very quiet five and one. Not a whole lot of people know about them right now. Navy, of course, getting you know getting a push by beating Houston. But uh, this um, this Memphis team is is pretty good, and that's another one that. Uh, it's down the road a little bit for USF, but they've got to go to Memphis in a few weeks. And uh, Memphis uh, can make quite a statement if they can beat Navy on Saturday. I don't think there's any questions. Also, uh, we were talking about UCF. The UCF hosts, um, I'm sorry, they're on the road at Stores, Connecticut to take on UConn this week. And um, that's a tough, um, it's a tough thing for them to do to go up on the road. And uh, after that, Crushing loss uh, to Temple and then go up and play a, a UConn team. Uh, not that I want to get ahead of myself here, but Miami does play tonight against Virginia Tech, and that's kind of, um, you know, it's hard to say it's must win, but okay, I'm going to say it anyway. It's a must win <laughs> for Miami because otherwise you can't go 4-3 in, in the ACC and expect to do much of anything. Well, Miami's I don't, I don't got a think, lot to prove, I don't think too, so. after laying an egg. <laughs> Jim, I don't. They, I don't uh, think the Canes, the Canes have gotten over the the loss to the to the Knowles. And and as Allison said, the way it happened, you know, uh, while that lifted FSU's spirits, um, boy, it it was so uh, you know deflating for the Hurricanes. Jim, they were flying high at that time. They they could have ended up you know being number seven in the nation. They they win that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, uh, it looks like they're still thinking about it. Uh, like you said, Jim, it, it's tough to get over something like that. It was crushing, crushing. You know, Arkansas Auburn also shouldn't be a bad game to watch. That's a decent yeah. game. Arkansas is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I, and I t- there's another one. Um, you know, the Buckeyes. Uh, this this is a this is a trap game for Ohio State. Now, Urban Meyer's prowess on the road is is well documented. And uh, the way they they went into Camp Randall last week uh, and and beat a terrific Wisconsin team uh, certainly solidified their their national stature. But they got Buckeyes got to go to Penn State Saturday night. Now on paper, that's that should be an, uh, a solid Ohio State win. But it's it is another road game. Uh, they'll have a whiteout there at Penn State with all the towels and all that stuff going and and then. Uh, it's it's a great atmosphere uh, in Happy Valley, and now if anybody knows how ha- how to handle that, it's Ohio State uh, with with Urban Meyer. But uh, you never know until you tee it up uh, how it's going to go. And Penn State, it, th- this makes their season if they can win that game. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and you got to think too that Ohio State's running the high off off of that Wisconsin win. I mean, a big overtime win on the road. Um, 
you know, you got to think of where their emotional state is, and they're they're feeling pretty good, feeling pretty confident right now. So it'll be interesting if they can carry that momentum into this week. Okay, guys, we're getting we're running a little late on time here. Why don't we do real quick um, some concepts on what's going on in the NFL locally on Sunday? We've got the we got all three Florida teams in place. So what's uh, what's up this week? Well, Jim, the Dolphins. Um, coming off uh, a big win uh, against Pittsburgh when they uh, out-physicaled the Steelers. Never easy to do. Um, and uh, a running back named uh, a J.A., uh, who didn't even dress for the season opener in Seattle. He was left behind uh, in South Florida because uh, they didn't like his attitude uh, coming out of uh, training camp. Uh, he went wild against the Steelers and gave uh, – frankly, gave Miami, uh, uh, you know, an identity that they've been sorely missing on, on the ground. And uh, now they've got to play Buffalo, Jim. Um, mm-hmm. And Joe likes to talk about uh, college teams that are flying under the radar, like Memphis. Uh, the Bills, I believe, are on a four-game winning streak. Um, people were laughing at Rex Ryan. It looked like this could be his last year in western New York. He fired the offensive coordinator after they lost the shootout. That's not easy to do, Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since then, uh, the Bills are playing very good football. They won at New England a few weeks ago, albeit without Brady. Um, and uh, I think they rushed for 300 yards against the 49ers. So, look, Jim, here's my point about the Dolphins. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, they have a habit of disappointing their fans at, at the wrong time. Uh, after big wins, they can't follow it up. And let's see what they can do. Buffalo might wilt in the heat Sunday in Miami. Possible. Pittsburgh players were throwing up on the sidelines last yeah. week. That's that's so, why you have a that's why you have a, an advantage when you're playing at home like that. Well, try to tell Buck fans that Jim. they can't win <laughs> at home. Speaking <laughs> of the Bucks, oh, go ahead, Ira. No, but I'm just saying this is another test for Miami. String some wins together. You know, you're two and four. If you want to get into the wild card chase, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna catch New England atop right. the division. But uh, if you want to give your fans something to to hope for, and and Joe knows how fickle South Florida fans are, um, you got to win this game. And um, let's see if they can do it. Let's see. The Buccaneers are on the road in San Francisco to take on the 49ers. That's uh, Allison's buddy, Jameson Winston, at the helm. Uh, usually going out west is not a good thing, but uh, the Bucks have been playing well, so let's see how that works out. What do you think? Well, they, the Bucks, big, big problems, though. Uh, Doug Martin, they, they thought they were going to have him back. They don't. Vincent Jackson, gone for the year and, and maybe forever with the ACL. Um, you know, it's the – that that's tough to overcome because Doug Martin really is the engine of that offense. I know we we talk about Jameis Winston, but Doug Martin gives them the balance and enables Jameis Winston uh, to be able to uh, do what he does with the, I guess with some distractions out there uh, when you have to honor the running game. Now, Ira, what do you think? Uh, can uh, Jack Quiz Rogers put together another hundred yard rushing game? I, I say no excuses, Jim. Zero. Uh, the 49ers are a bad team, period. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Colin Kaepernick's an X factor. Allison, he can beat you with the with his arm, with his legs. Uh, but he couldn't beat out Blaine Gabbert. So let's not go crazy on Colin Kaepernick. Uh, that's a bad football team. The Bucks are favored on the road. Jim, uh, yeah. I don't utter that sentence very often. The Bucks are favored <laughs> on the road. Uh, that sentence they, isn't uttered often, <laughs> Iris. Jim, <laughs> they need to win this game and get to 500. Yep. Before before a three game homestand that includes a game against the Falcons, who are in first place, right. and who the Bucks have already beaten on the road. Right. So, Joe, no excuses. Uh, I know they're going in with a short deck, but so are most teams. Look at the Vikings; they're not whining. They're five and zero. Oh. They don't have a quarterback, running back, and left tackle, um, and they're five and zero. Oh. So, Jim. They got to win this game, plain and simple. Absolutely, and I know that you and Joe are going to hop in the car and swing by Tallahassee and pick up Allison, so that you guys can go to Jacksonville to see the Raiders come to town and play the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know what it is, but the Raiders on the road—it makes no sense. But the Raiders on the road, a team from the West coming east, they've done very well on the road. If they had any kind of defense, Jim Oakland. Yeah. Uh, they'd be in the thick of things because they got a very dynamic attack with Derek Carr. Joe loves Amari Cooper with good reason. Crabtree, you know, is reinventing himself as, as a big-time NFL receiver. Um, they can score, but mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're 32nd in, in a 32-team league in defense. I don't understand why because Khalil Mack's a monster, uh, but I guess they haven't surrounded him with, uh, with enough good players around him. Uh, the Jags were down 13 nothing on the road, Jim, albeit it was against Chicago, mm-hmm. but it's still on the road. Yep. And uh, they went to a hurry-up offense, and, and Bortles played well down the stretch. We'll see. Uh, they might have saved Gus Bradley's job for the time being, Jim, but they've got a lot to prove in Jacksonville. Ironically, I, I never thought the problem would be offense uh, for the Jags. Uh, but it is, and the defense, I think, is now up to number eight. Joe, if you told me two months ago that the Jags' defense was going to be number eight uh, after six weeks, uh, I would have thought they'd be uh, five and one at this point. Yeah, Blake Bortles really has not had the kind of breakout season that everybody just sort of assumed he would have this year. And um, I'm not sure what the deal is there. Um, you know, the running back situation hasn't worked out like they thought it would. Uh, been some injuries there, but the, the the Jags are getting by on defense right now. Now that was say what you will, uh, a road win where you come from uh, from behind. Uh, maybe Chicago's not the monsters of the midway anymore, but you never uh, you never look down your nose at a road win in the NFL. But uh, two in a row for the Jags, good opportunity to make it three, frankly, because. Uh, the Raiders uh, laid a pretty big egg last week against your Chiefs, Ira, and yeah, uh, not really sure if that says uh, more about the Chiefs than it does the Raiders, but it it certainly did uh, expose a few chinks in the armor. And of course, Jim's uh, Jim's Ravens are in free fall. Uh, <laughs> Williams doesn't want to talk about the Ravens. He'd, he'd rather talk I'm about. I'm not the even Redskins. a fan of the Ravens, but okay, you want to <laughs> you want to attach them to me? Fine, I'll. I'll well. Take- uh, at, at the same time, Jim, the Redskins um, are impressive. 
at, at yeah. four and two. Yep. Um, they're they're in every game, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the defending uh, uh, division champs, who not a lot of people picked uh, to defend that title. And look, you know, Dallas looks good, Jim. Dallas does yep. look good, but Washington's keeping them honest in, in the uh, NFC East. Yep, it's going to be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. And speaking of fun, we've had a fun for a while now, but unfortunately that fun's going to have to slow down and stop. Uh, we got to finish the show. And so let's uh, – ladies first in this particular situation. Allison Posey, final thoughts on what's going on this weekend, and give us your social media. Final thoughts. Uh, from Tallahassee's perspective – Glad we glad four states got a bye week. Um, looking, uh, uh, same with Florida. Glad Florida's got a bye week. Um, from the NFL, obviously, Tampa Bay coming off that big win over over Carolina. Two cheers for Roberto Aguayo, who had a nice, warm welcome for homecoming week. I might add, no, no booze from from the Florida State faithful. So uh, we'll see what Tampa Bay can do. Always pay attention to them, just because of all the the Florida State Seminoles as well as, well as Jacksonville. Um, so we'll see what those two teams can do. But uh, yeah, social media, Twitter, Allison Posey, fourteen A L I S O N P O S E Y one four. All right, Joe Henderson. Okay, well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at the initial J Henderson Tampa, and um, I'll be uh, I'll be checking out the Buccaneers this weekend to see uh, if they can uh, take a second straight road win. Um, like Ira noted, this is one that they on paper they should win, but games aren't played on paper, especially when the Bucks are around. So, um, Bucks have had pretty good success this year on the road. Both their uh, their wins have been division wins on the road this is not a division win but it is one that uh, you look at and say the bucks should come come headed uh, home three and three and uh, that would be pretty good at this point and ira kaufman social media and a final thought jim you can find me on uh, twitter uh, at i kaufman 76 and this weekend i will be watching the vikings uh coming off a of bye week uh they're the talk of the NFL, with good reason, uh, after the flurry of injuries, including the quarterbacks. Um, and, Jim, they prove one maxim still holds. They, they've given the ball away one time in five games. One giveaway. They're plus 11 in the turnover ratio. So my point is, Jim, let's not overanalyze the National Football League. If you win the turnover battle, and you play good defense, you can go a long way. That formula used to work very well right here in Tampa when the Bucks had a stud defense with two Hall of Famers. Jim, it's never going to go away. That turnover margin is the most critical stat in the NFL, and it always will be. Ira, buddy, I got to agree with you. The NFL has always been. A giveaway, takeaway league. Those who giveth usually lose. Those who taketh usually win. Well, that draws us to a close. Yet another edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host from SportsTalkFlorida.com. Joined, of course, by my colleagues, Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. We would like to take the opportunity to thank our guests for today. That would be, of course, Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, and Allison Posey, 
the sports director of ABC 27 in Tallahassee. Quick plug. We have a new and improved website. That's right, a new and improved website. Check out the new and improved sportstalkflorida.com. That's sportstalkflorida.com where you can find the work of Ira, Joe, and myself along with a number of extremely talented writers who cover all aspects of sports, not only in Florida, but around the country. So check us out at sportstalkflorida.com. Again, for Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson, I'm Jim Williams, hoping that you enjoyed this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast, and you'll check us out next time. Have a great weekend. Oh,